Hey, this is Jen LaFord Hoos, and here's my story I'm sharing on the TREP Life podcast. Let's stay connected. Follow me on Facebook at Jen LaFord Hoos or my Instagram page or follow me on LinkedIn. I hope my experiences inspire you and remember dreams over doubt. Stay updated by checking out new episodes of the most eclectic podcasts in the world on Wednesdays and Sundays. Hello. Hello. Welcome to episode number 14. We have the lovely, multi-talented Jen (laughs) with us. Jen, if you would like to just introduce yourself to the audience. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Jen LaFort Hoos, and I am an entrepreneur. And I am very excited to be here on this um, podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on and speak a little bit more about what I do. But yes, I am a uh, creative entrepreneur, and I've been a creative entrepreneur now for about uh, six years. Um, it has been an incredible journey. I love what I do, and I'm really excited to be able to share more about that journey to maybe have it be helpful and impactful for you and your business. Absolutely. Well, we're so grateful just to have you here. Uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us and just to share your story with the, everyone. Uh, sure. Thanks. <laughs> um, so my first question is, Your background is in acting, correct? That is correct, yes. Can you tell us what drew you into the world of acting? Well, when I was growing up, I always did acting and creative endeavors as an extra. I was always in the school plays. I was always in, um, you know, the musicals and the chorus and everything like that. And I really just loved that type of creative expression. And when I went to college, I never thought that you could ever, you know, do acting as a career. Um, But then when it came around our senior year and people were starting to talk about and think about what they wanted to do once they graduated, you know, I started asking myself those same questions and started, you know, diving in internally and wondering what it was I wanted to do. And somebody said, do what you are passionate about and do what you love and it won't feel like work. And I thought, well, I've always been really passionate about the arts and being an actor. So why don't I continue on that journey and see where it takes me? So as soon as I graduated school, I actually got in the car and drove out to Los Angeles and lived there for about five years working professionally as an actor. So how was, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll come back to this question later. Well, no, I just want to throw it out there now. How does LA <laughs> compare to Chicago? Because you have experience acting in Chicago as well, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Once I left Chicago, once I left LA, I moved to Chicago because I wanted to get into theater more. Okay. Um, and L.A. at the time didn't, didn't really have a lot of theater. It's now um, more prevalent there. But in the early 2000s, it really wasn't. And um, I wanted to come back to Chicago because they had a really, really great creative vibe there. And especially in the theater scene. But Chicago and L.A., it, 
it's, they're very different cities, um, very different, very different backgrounds. You know, LA is all very entertainment and Hollywood focused. It is, it is all, all, that's all that is, that is there. I'm sure there's other things there too, but that's really the (laughs) predominant culture there. Right. Um, We're in Chicago. There is so many other, you know, walks of life and different careers and different energies that really kind of feeds your creative soul. So then you can then express that into your art. And I felt like I didn't have that much um, variety when I was living in LA. So it was a struggle. So when I moved to Chicago, you know, I kind of got that, I, I got that life, you know, like right back into me. So I was able to dive back into like the some creative side, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like you can maybe showcase your talents in LA, but you're going to be energized and inspired from the living in Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah. You just summed it up perfectly. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Well, um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you are, what, who are some of your favorite actresses and actors that you look at? If you could give us like maybe three actresses, three actors. Oh my gosh. So I think maybe my all time. No, that's okay. okay. I have a lot of favorite um, actors and actresses, but I think one of my favorite actresses that I really, um, I've always admired is Jennifer Aniston. And that's because she has a really incredible versatility to her. You know, she can be funny, but when it comes time to being serious, you know, she can pull that off. And it's interesting because a a, a lot more comedians can pull off the dramatic rather than the other way around. You know, mm-hmm. you see a lot of yeah. dramatic actors who try and go comedy and they just kind of fall flat. So I really, I really admire her from that. Um, I'm a big uh, Kate Winslet fan too. I mean, I love I, Kate I, I just, Winslet. Yeah. I, anything she does, I, I, I mean, her American accent is spot on. Like if you didn't know yeah. she was from England, it's versatile you have no too. idea. It's not, like yeah. she doesn't have just like one go-to American accent. She can give you, a midwestern accent she can give you a boston accent you know new england-esque accent uh give you maybe a a valley girl sort of accent so yeah definitely yeah and i love that she's not afraid to look ugly on screen which is something that a lot of women fear is to look ugly and vulnerable when i say ugly i mean to look raw um, a lot of women are still very, you know, wrapped up in how they look. And, you know, Kate Winslet, she just doesn't care. And that, to me, um, is really a sign of somebody who's a true artist. So I love her. And then my last one that I really, really love, and her versatility is, is just incredible, is Allison Janney. Um, she's been in, okay. she's done yeah. everything. Allison Janney, you know, she was in the West Wing for years. Years, yeah. And As and CJ, then you know, right? yes, yeah, CJ, yep. And she's incredible. I mean, she can play anything. She can, you know, play you know white trash, and she can play you know high society. And that is another thing that I feel that type of versatility is just that stuff just really resonates with me, and I love her too. I I like those three that you gave us. Those those are great. I. Very different, oh, very different actresses, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can. yeah. And what I like about them is I like people who can be versatile. I like people who can, you know, show more colors than just the one that you know they show every day. 
And I think that is something, you know, when we talk, when we, you know, talk more about entrepreneurship, I think that's something that's very important is to be versatile when, you know, when, with being an entrepreneur and being an artist, because, you know, you have to, you have to be able to bounce back quickly and you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to show more than one side of one character. Okay. So more in line with continuing the role of, can you give us a couple of three actors for us? Hmm. Well, the first one that came to mind is Christian Bale. Okay. Another versatile actor, can play anything. Sean Penn, oh my God, yeah. he's incredible. Um, and then I'm trying to think of another actor that I really, that I really like. I can't think of a third actor. <laughs> but um, those yeah, two are good but, selections. Yeah, I, thanks. I, I appreciate actually it. Actually, going to do another podcast, which I, I still plan on doing. Um, maybe in 2020 or 2021, mm-hmm. but yeah. definitely down the line. But it was a going to be a film and a TV series commentary. And one of the premises for like our pilot episode was, who's the best actor of their generation? Christian Bale versus Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, I took cool. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, we selected three movies that we went, you know, back to back on. And, you know, we're talking about how that made them. It was a, I have to send you that. It was kind of interesting for people that are like, you know, big movie fans and stuff like that. So. Oh, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Some, I uh, would love to hear that. Thought we had some good arguments. Good bait. Yeah. But yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite uh, movies and favorite TV shows that are, you have going on now? Wow. Um, you know... I'm trying to think of some of my favorite movies. I will say that I feel like I haven't seen a lot of um, a lot of good movies lately. I mean, not yeah. good movies. So, I mean, I do get all the screeners when the awards season comes mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So those have probably been the most recent movies that I've seen. Um, but I really did like um, the new movie that Melissa McCarthy was in. And that was really good. She- I have a lot Forger? of movies. Yes. That one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I Surprisingly, didn't see it, but I know that one. Yeah, it, it's very good. I think you would like it. I, I like stories about you know real life people and their struggles and what they do to. Right. Um, I like. I, I don't know. I like that. That was a really great movie, um, and I did really like A Star Is Born. I just saw that too, and I will say that I, I enjoyed was, that movie definitely. Yeah, I, I did too. It was inspiring. That's really what it was. It was inspiring. I know it's like um, the fourth version of that movie, but uh, I haven't seen—I hadn't seen the other um, movies at the time, the other versions. And so I—I I thought that uh, Lady Gaga's performance was great. I thought uh, Bradley, what about Cooper, Bradley, yeah, Bradley Cooper's performance was great. Yeah, and, uh, and everyone, the whole cast—it was just I thought very well made and everything. And I love the the soundtrack. I love the sound. You know, it's one of my was one of my favorite songs of that year that it was released. So, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I felt the same way. I thought the soundtrack was made. The movie was beautifully made. Like, it was it, it was a well, well done film. Yeah. And then um, I'm trying to think of some other films that, um, that I've liked this year. So, but TV shows, you had asked me. So, the last TV series that I watched and binged and in all was Breaking Bad. Oh, and absolutely. That is, like hands down probably one of the greatest tv series that we'll see 
probably one of the greatest TV series of the century. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that 100%. From most Flawless. conversations I have with people, it's between Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, and The Wire for best uh, TV series of all time. And I, and I agree. I 100% agree. 100%. I've never seen The Wire, but I know there are some people out there who are like, The Wire is better than anything that you will see out yeah. there. And I, I've not, but in The Sopranos, same way. I thought that was just beautifully executed. And if you think about The Sopranos, that was really the stepping, you know, that was really the beginning of all For of these all series. Of yes. The, yeah. The other series that I will throw in that race that I don't think always gets included in the conversation is Mad Men. I, I, I could yes. make an argument for Mad Men, but um, but the creator of Mad Men came from The Sopranos. To your point, you know, that's right. Matter. Yeah, he was on staff with them as well. So yeah, that's right. I and, will say and the okay, anti-hero Mad- era, definitely. Yeah. Tony Soprano was the first major anti-hero. So yeah, mm-hmm. and same with the guy in Mad Men. Same yeah, with that, same yeah. with that guy. Same thing. Actually, that is. Mad Men is the last show that I binge watched when I had my when I had my second kid. I did I did some binge watching, mm-hmm. um, and I finished watching Mad Men, and that is probably another one of my favorite series. So, and that makes sense that you and I would like Mad Men because we also like The Sopranos. It's all yeah. very, yeah. You when you like you those would. characters, real characters who are going through struggles, complicated people. You know, it's not. Yes. And none of those. Yeah. None of those endings are easy endings, right? Like. They, all of them are kind of unexpected and you know yeah totally i totally want to be on your next podcast with you when we t- dive in and i would talk love about, that like, i think we can create some great content yeah i would love to do like dissect all this stuff that would be awesome yes, yes. <laughs> be so much fun absolutely we will definitely have to reconvene on that note yeah and uh, so kind of well actually can you kind of take us through something that I, I'm really not, I'm ashamed to say I'm not that knowledgeable about it. I know that it's um, very, um, you know, uh, multi, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very uh, up and coming. It's very um, diverse, but the, can you kind of take us through the culture of the theater community in Chicago? Sure. So the theater community in, in Chicago is really people who appreciate art and theater. They're probably some of the most hardest working people that I know because most people in the theater community have another job during the day. Mm-hmm. And then at night we'll go and practice and rehearse for four to five hours and then go to bed. And it's about a 12 hour day for them. And they do that because they love theater and they love art. Um, when I first started, got it started in theater in about like 2005, 2006, you know, there was only a few theater companies that people knew about. There was probably about 10 or 12. And then you had the main ones, you know, like the Goodman and the Steppenwolf mm-hmm. and Looking Glass. Um, and you had all these little tiny, um, you know, theater companies. And those theater companies were great because it allowed a lot of people to, you know, be creative and to bring their own content. Now, there are so many different theater companies in the city of Chicago that they're almost now getting more attention than the bigger theaters because they've got a little bit more freedom, they're not controlled, and they can do whatever they want. And I just, I feel like 
you know, the people in the city who do do theater, it's, it's not a, it's not a rare breed, but it's a, it's a, it's a hardworking artist, which we don't see a lot of these days. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, a hardworking artist who just loves their art and needs to be expressive. And it's just, it's really incredible. Would you say there's a completely different or maybe not a completely different mindset, but a difference or a, a key distinction between someone who wants to be a film or television actor versus uh, someone who wants to be involved with the plays and the theater community? Absolutely. There's definitely a big difference. So the big difference is, is when you're in theater, you are using your whole body to perform. You are on stage. You have to use your whole body to capture you know, an audience and you have to be big enough and present enough. So even the people who have the nosebleeds, they can still see you and feel you and, you know, hear you. Where in film and TV, technical acting, you know, when I, you know, did a lot of work in film, I would have to, you know, stand there and get my mark. I wasn't free to, to roam around. It was, here's your mark, stand here, deliver your lines, don't look into the camera. Um, and a lot of it is technical, you know, which I don't think people realize is that your eyesight has to be, you know, specific and there's a, a lot more direction that goes in it. And, but that's all more for technical. So when it's shown on the big screen, it reads. So there's a little, there's not as much, um, uh, like freedom and flexibility as there is in theater where you can be a lot more expressive and, you know, you know, throw your hands up and around, but you know, you can't do that in film because you're working in a very small box and a very small parameter because, you know, the camera can only capture so much. Definitely. And I think also the, um, the lack of editing, right? So like with film and television, you have the whole editing process. Whereas when you're on a live mm -hmm. stage, that's not possible. Absolutely. And one of the things, too, that I will say is that um, when you act for TV and film, if you have a theater background and you come and because this was my problem when I would be booked on shows, I would start, you know, they would say, all right, rolling action. And I would start speaking and then they'd say, all right, cut. And then they come up to me and be like, can you bring your voice down? Mm. And I'd be like, oh, why? I wasn't shouting. They're like, oh, I know. But, you know, when, when you're on camera, you don't have to yeah. talk as loud because the mics are all around you. I was like, oh. So if you go back and if you watch um, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, the main character in a, in a Wonderful Life, he sounds like he's yelling and he's really not yelling. I mean, his whole background is in theater. And so he's doing mm. the film and he doesn't know any other way but right. to project. So it's like he's like almost yelling throughout the whole entire film. But that's all that he's used to is, you know, talking like that. That's very interesting. I'll definitely have to go back and watch it just for that comment. Yeah, just kind of see it. It's a very interesting transitions. Um, so now you're you're more into you're more involved with the theater aspect of acting, correct? Correct, more theater and the improv. improv. Yes, improv is kind of its own mm -hmm. kind of niche as well, right? Subcategory. It is In, improv is like raw. It's exciting. It's off the cusp. It, it, it's. It's like acting unprepared. I mean, that's really kind of like what it freestyling is. Freestyling it. And yeah, kind of. I mean, it's, you know, you get an idea and you just have to run with it. And you just got to trust your partner and 
I love improv too. It's kind of like it, when I hear about improv, it always reminds me of in hip hop, you have, uh, they're not rap battles, but they're just where you'll, you'll get around other rappers and people who make beats and just, you know, one person will start it off and then another, it will go to another person who's kind of like popcorning, or popcorning a rap. And they're called ciphers. Yeah. And that's what it always kind of reminds me of. That's exactly what it is. It's all off the cuff. It reminds me of like Eminem and yeah. Amaya when he would just get up and start babbling. And he didn't know what he was going to say. I mean, he maybe prepared a little bit, but, you know, he didn't know. And that's exactly what improv is. It's great. Okay. So, Jen, how did you make the transition into you know, the theater, being an artist, and taking your talents and getting involved with entrepreneurship? So I had always wanted to be my own boss. I had always wanted to do my own thing. And what I didn't realize was that by being an actor, I really was already running my own business, the business of being the actor Jen LaFort. But when I knew that um, I was starting to see a shift and I wanted something more, I wanted a business of my own besides acting, um, I started looking at ways to make money. And, you know, I thought about going back to work, but then I was like, but I like the flexibility and I like the freedom to be able to work on my own terms and on my own time. And I knew that if I went and worked for somebody else, I would be, you know, working to build somebody else's dreams. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to build my dreams and on my schedule and on my time. So I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was. I had no idea. I I, I didn't even know what was a thing. Um, But when I started looking around into, you know, franchises and, you know, building businesses, I learned what entrepreneurship really was. Well, Jen, I love that response that you just gave. Um, So my follow-up question to that would be, um, can you make a distinction for us between passion and motivation? Sure. I think people, you know, so passion is, you know, I'm passionate about helping people. I'm passionate about living life on my terms. You know, I'm passionate about acting. I'm passionate about being creative. Having a passion is something that you love and something that fuel, that you know fuels you and you know fills your heart. Motivation is something that internally will drive you to want to succeed and want to be good and be the best version of yourself. I think people confuse passion and motivation as the same thing. You can be passionate about your dreams, but if you don't have the motivation to go after it, you're not going to get that passion. So I think people think that it's the same, but you know, it's, it's really not. But if you have passion and you're motivated to get there, then there is like nothing stopping you. I agree with that. I like that distinction because there, I think it's a subtle, but important difference. Yeah. I mean, if you're not motivated to get up in the morning to work toward your passion, which is your dreams and your life, then you're never going to have what you want. So you have to be, you know, self-motivated to, you know, go after your dreams and go after what you want. And one of the things that I've done to, you know, teach my team and people who I work with is to break that down backwards and into bite-sized pieces. Because maybe some people who get into entrepreneurship, 
you know, they're motivated, but they don't know how to start, you know, and entrepreneurship and, you know, being your own boss. I mean, there isn't a handbook that says, okay, uh, today you're going to do this. And today you're going to do that. You kind of got to figure it out for yourself. And one of the things that I love is being able to teach people how to give you action steps towards your passion, um, and which then gets you motivated to do it. Does yeah. that make sense? So what you're describing to me is like vision casting. Yes. Yeah. If you don't have a vision, you'll never be motivated to, to get that. But then again, I know a lot of people who do have a vision and they, they don't know to, what, what steps to take in order to get there. So that's why I think vision and motivation are, or passion and motivation are different because you know, you can have a vision, but if you're not motivated to get there, you're not going to get there. Absolutely. I mean, the, the work is definitely required. Yeah. And I think people think that, you know, entrepreneurship is, you know, is, is, you know, walking on the beach every day and, you know, sitting by the pool, you know, you see a lot of people, pictures like that. And, yeah, that is entrepreneurship. You know, you do have the ability to be able to work wherever you want to, but it's still work. You know, you still have to put the work in, in order to get your, in order to get to your vision and you have to be, you know, self-motivated enough and driven enough in order to do that. Absolutely. And I think people kind of get that misconstrued sometimes, you know, so um, we, we kind of had to talk about this, um, you know, off off camera, offline or whatever. But um, can you describe to us like your thoughts on the current era of entrepreneurship? Well, you know, so what I'm seeing is a a new trend in entrepreneurship. And this is something that I um, have been discussing with other people, you know, who are business owners. So there are there are two forms of entrepreneurship. There's entrepreneurship where you are building a business that, you know, will create, you know, um, a legacy for you and your family. That is entrepreneurship. But what I'm also seeing in entrepreneurship is kind of like, um, like, a, like, I don't want to, I don't know what the word is, but um, almost like a stepping stone to entrepreneurship. And what that is, is the gig economy. Okay. The gig economy right now is really hot because what that is, it's, it's almost like entrepreneurship where you're in control you can have your own hours. You don't have a boss, um, but you don't have to be building something for the long term. Meaning, you can be like your like almost a part time boss by hopping in a car and driving for an Uber or a Lyft, and then you will get paid at the end of the day. So that is what I'm seeing, you know, in comparison to entrepreneurship is the gig economy. You know, driving for Instacart and making you know tips or making an hourly pay, you know, that is the real, that's the real gig economy. You just open up your phone and you touch an app and, you know, you're making money. Definitely. I also think to add to your point, I think freelancers are kind of um, almost uh, a stepping stone or uh, a middle ground between fully pursuing entrepreneurship or considering yourself an entrepreneur, you know, people who just, they'll, they're a freelance writer, they're a freelance journalist, you know, they, they might have a blog or something like that, but. Right. I mean, going back to our conversation before, I think freelancers are like what the Sopranos were 
before the, yeah. the golden area, the golden era of TV, you know, people who were freelancers for, you know, magazines, newspapers, you know, writing copyright and stuff like that. Those were the first examples of, you know, entrepreneurship and the gig economy. And now it's evolved like so much from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of my other questions I have for you is, can you kind of give us a uh, definition of what transparency means to you? Well, I think transparency means, you know, being honest and being vulnerable, or maybe not being honest, but maybe okay. being vulnerable. I think that one of the things that we're missing today in, you know, our marketing especially, or the way that we are marketed to is vulnerability. Um, it's all, I mean, we get marketed to, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And one of the things that I think is lacking is, is transparency and vulnerability in people's marketing, because yeah, people don't mind, you know, you know, seeing, you know, ads and hearing about people's businesses, but they want to hear the stories and the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions behind that. And if you as a business can be transparent in your story, um, that is going to sell more than what it is that you're selling. I strongly feel that when brands and when business owners have transparency and are vulnerable, that's what connects with people. And that's what gets people to buy. And that's what gets people hooked on your products. Absolutely. So um, walk us through what your current brand is and your company and your products and services and everything. Yeah. So I work with the number one skincare brand in North America called Rodan and Fields. We are an anti-aging skincare brand. And what I have is I've created a business, a skincare business with them. And I help women feel good about themselves or men, don't get me wrong, I do have some men, sorry about that, don't mean to, you know, be sexist, but I help people feel better about themselves. I help men and women, you know, look and feel good in their own skin. Or I also help, you know, men and women create a life that they want. I help them get off the rat race. I help them, you know, get off the hamster wheel. I help them realize that there are other ways of making money on your own terms and your own time that maybe they didn't know about before by um, leveraging a massive global brand like what, like what I have to share with people the opportunity to be able to create your own dreams and your own destiny, work for yourself, be your own boss and do your own thing, which a lot of people don't, real, don't think is realistic. But it is realistic if you are motivated to, for that vision, if you're motivated to, you know, get out of that dead end job, or if you're motivated to, you know, finally write that book or take that vacation that you wanted, you can utilize, you know, my business and what I do to help you fulfill your dreams and your passions. That's, that sounds excellent. So what is like your biggest reward for um, to tie in your passions and your motivations, what's your biggest reward for working with your skincare company? I feel really grateful that I work with a company and two doctors who care about their consultants and who care about their, 
employees and who care about what they're putting out there into the world and the message. I've never worked with a company before that puts um, their, you know, puts their employees first or puts their business owners like me first. Um, and that feels really rewarding for me because, you know, most people are concerned about the bottom, bottom line, but this company is more concerned about me and my well-being and my family. And, you know, you don't see that anymore. You really don't. You don't see that anymore. Um, and if you do see it, it, it's not exactly, it's not exactly real, if right. that makes sense. It's inauthentic. Yeah. Exactly. That was exactly the word I was looking for. It's inauthentic. Um, so I love what I'm doing because besides also, you know, helping people create the life that they want, want and helping people feel better in their own skin, I'm also serving a greater good because what I do is I donate a lot of what I make to, you know, communities to help them rise up if maybe they were in a troubled area. And that to me is so rewarding to know that I'm giving back along with the brand that I'm working with, they're matching what I'm giving as well. Okay. So what kind of cause are you all in on that you're donating your money and resources to it? Can you kind of give us more information on that? So one of them that I'm doing is a, a, is a cause called Build On. And what that is, is Build On is a national non-for-profit that helps underserved communities by providing resources, time, um, and places for them to be able to, you know, have the opportunities that maybe they didn't have, that maybe they don't have currently. So then they can, you know, overcome poverty and overcome, you know, a difficult situation and learn that there is another way than what they um, have been, you know, exposed to. So you might even have. Um, different events for them to come to to get that exposure yeah so we have different events we have different learning events um, and one of the things that we'll do is we'll kind of have like an entrepreneurship night which is really cool is to be able to teach them you know about entrepreneurship you know I like to think of shows like Shark Tank have really sparked entrepreneurship and have really sparked people's you know, creative juices flowing. And then we like to be an extension of that by helping people, um, you know, see entrepreneurship as something that you can do and something that is achievable rather than just being like a pipe dream. That you can do it with hard work and with consistent effort. Definitely. I mean, I, I love that messaging and I love that you, you all are doing that to uh, areas that don't always know of any um entrepreneurs you know if you if you come in an environment that you've never seen an entrepreneur in your life you don't know anything about it you just know get a job go to school that's it you know yeah yeah exactly I mean that's what I that's what I was taught growing up was go to school go to college get a job then retire and that's it <laughs> get married in between have some kids maybe take a vacation right. or two you know, and that was it. Like, there was there was no like, go to school, find out what interests you and what makes what makes you happy, what your passions are, or solve a problem that will help everybody else and create a company that will um, 
solve that problem so then you can help people and make money in return. Like that stuff's not taught. It's not taught, um, which is a shame because it should be because, you know, we need more, we need more creative people, you know, in the workforce who are creating and solving problems and m- building something for themselves at the same time. I, I think that's you just summed up entrepreneurship right there. I think that's the purpose and um, behind it all and why we're such an intricate part of society. Yeah. So yeah, entrepreneurship, it comes um, like you have to, not all opportunities are good opportunities, right? So Totally. Oh, 100%. Kind of, um, give us some insight into your evaluation process, how you assess opportunities for yourself. Sure. So for me, when I first decided to become um, – like a brand ambassador for a company and be my own boss, I thought about what brand I was representing. I thought about, you know, what their background was, what, what their track record was. And I did, I did think about that at first. So when certain opportunities come, you know, I definitely say, you know, to do your research and listen and, you know, do your research you know, don't over research something, but, you know, do a little research, but also listen to your gut and listen to does it, how, how does it make you feel? Does it fulfill you? You know, does it get you excited? Does it get you motivated? Does it get you passionate, you know, to wake up every morning and say, this is what I'm going to do. So for me, when I heard about Rodan and Fields, which by the way, I was not looking for I was not looking for something like this, but I was looking for something like this. I knew I wanted to open my own business. I knew I wanted to be my own boss, but I also knew that I didn't want to have all of the inventory and all the overhead. I didn't want to open a brick and mortar, you know, and thank God I didn't. Brick and mortar is is dying. It's dead. Like it's, it's unbelievable to drive up and down the streets here in Chicago. And there are so many empty storefronts. Amazon killed them. And, you know, Totally. Amazon absolutely killed them. And I will say the taxes in the city of Chicago are disgusting. Yeah, oh, so that, that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> let's actually talk about that for a moment. Do you feel like the taxes are causing um, Chicago to become a almost anti-entrepreneurial city? I don't think the taxes are, I actually, I genuinely don't think what I do think is the taxes are driving people out of the state of Illinois as a whole. I do think that because, you know, before people used to say, Oh, I'm leaving the city and I'm moving to the burbs because the taxes are better. Well, no, they're Not. not. Because what all those counties realized was that they were getting everybody from the city to move to the burbs so they could just tax them the same. Yeah. Cook County so is so it's long, the tax, you know, it's so widespread. Yeah. 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 So it's, so what I, I, what I feel is that, you know, since the taxes have gotten higher in the city, landlords have had to raise the rent subsequently in order to pay those taxes. And then that's kicking the small business owners out because they can't afford to have a storefront because, the, you know, they would be, they, they just can't afford yeah. it. Right. So I'm, when I wanted a business, I did want something that was virtual too, because I also realized that 
you know, everybody was going to be shopping online. And I knew that everybody was going to be buying stuff online. And I wanted to be able to carry my store with me everywhere I went. I wanted to be able to have it on my phone, on my computer, you know, wherever I was. I didn't want to have to be tied down somewhere. And that's what I think people are really looking for these days. You know, they're looking for to be their own boss, but to have it, you know, travel with them. Almost like a business in a bag is like what I like to say, you know, like, so you can put your business in your backpack and, you know, you can, you know, go hiking in the Colorado Rockies and still work, you know? So, um, so to wrap, you know, to, I hope that kind of answers no. your question. I feel like we diverted like yeah. five times. <laughs> but there's a lot to talk about there. That's a big thing, you know? Um, let me ask you this kind of a somewhat of a follow-up. Do you think that the culture of, Chicago is um, indicative or supportive of a uh, healthy entrepreneurship culture? I actually think it is supportive of a healthy entrepreneurship culture. And here's why. I think every, but every other city is seeing what's happening in Silicon Valley and in San Francisco. That is where technology innovation is coming from. Every single you know, app that you have on your phone has been based out of um, Northern yeah. California. And I think other cities want to be able to have that celebrity kind of status. So then it draws more people into their city. My husband um, is in a startup business okay. right now and startup businesses um, are actually getting grants from the city of Chicago because the city of Chicago wants that, those businesses to come here. They want to be able to say, Hey, the next big, you know, household brand name came from Chicago. Cause then that draws right. people, you know, like Airbnb, Northern California. Um, you know, uh, I think Uber came from Northern yeah. California. I'm not quite sure, but you know, they want that notoriety. So I don't think that they are, I don't think the city of Chicago, I think the city of Chicago wants more innovation here. Um, but, you know, I think they just need to lower the taxes and lower the rate of living. But that is a whole other side topic. I, I, I think there's a difference. And we'll, we'll segue out of this after I say this. But uh, I think there's a difference between like a tax structure that's supportive for entrepreneurship and a tax structure that's supportive for uh, corporatism. Mm -hmm. I, I completely you know, agree. So we yeah. we could probably do a whole episode just on that conversation alone. So um, we'll, can you just kind of take us um, through a typical day in your life? Sure. So many so, hats that you wear, you um, know, so. Yeah, that is very true. So a typical day in my life is I'm usually up between like, uh, like between like around 6 a.m., um, and I am, I'm up um, and I like to get up before my kids get up. I got two kids under five. Um, and usually around that time, like, you know, I will drink water, have coffee, kind of start to get a, my organized for the day. And I do that before my kids come downstairs because once they come downstairs, it is it, anything else that I needed to get done is kind of out the window because they are very demanding of my time because they're so young. And so, you know, my typical day, I have to get up and kind of get mentally prepared for the day before my kids get up. 
that takes me about an hour, an hour and a half. And then they come downstairs and they're all like, mom, 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 I want this and I need this and I need that. And, you know, my attention gets divided to them. And then as soon as they're out the door, then I can start my day. And I start my day by connecting with my team and connecting with my customers, you know, seeing where I can be of service as a leader and a business person and a, a mentor to my team. Um, I check in with my customers to see how they're loving their products, how they're doing. Um, you know, I just check in with them to see, you know, if they're enjoying their day. I want to make sure I'm providing them an excellent customer service experience and answer any questions that they have. Um, and then after that, you know, I'll do some marketing. Um, I'll reach out and talk to other people who are interested in building a business and, you know, work with my team if they have any questions about, you know, building their own business. And, you know, usually by the time that's done, it's about, you know, three or four o'clock. And then I got to get ready for all the munchkins to come home from school <laughs> and I have to feed them and, um, you know, go back into, you know, being a mom. But I will say, I love my, I love my day to day. I love it. I, I couldn't imagine it a better way because after they go to school, that's my time to focus on my business. And once I'm done with all that and they come home, they have my full undivided attention. And I love and that. you may not be able to do that I, if you were working, you know, a more traditional job or career choice, right? Oh, no, no way. No. And that's the only thing I do love about entrepreneurship and being my own boss is that, you know, there are some days where I get a phone call from school and it's, hey, you know, the, your oldest is sick. You have to come get her. Well, OK, um, you know, my whole work life has to be put on hold and I need to go and focus to my daughter. And if I worked for a company, I don't know if I would be able to have that luxury and that liberty and that freedom to be able to do that. And a lot of people that I talk to, they don't have that. And that's really, that really makes me sad because, you know, family comes first and especially family's health comes right. first. And when, an, you know, when an employer makes somebody feel, um, like they're not doing a good job and they're not a good employee because they're putting their family and their kids health first, you know, that really, that really bothers me. And I will say that is one of the joys that I have about this, about being my own boss and doing my own thing is that I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about that. If my kid needs me, I can be there. Exactly. For You're aligned with your, it's aligned with your value system, your work life. Exactly. Balance. So one of the last questions I kind of want to touch on with you is um, multi-level marketing's MLM, MLMs, right? They get kind of a bad rap. And mm -hmm. I think that is grossly unfair and exaggerated. Um, but one, where do you think that comes from? And two, um, do you think that that uh, stigma is changing? Yes. So do I think that stigma is changing? Yes, absolutely. 100%. I think in the past 10 years, um, multi-level marketing and network marketing has become more of a norm than it was probably, let's say, 10, 15 Which years ago. Which term do you prefer? And I think, way? oh, um, I like network okay. marketing, network frankly. Marketing. I don't, I like that. Um, so I prefer so yeah I prefer network marketing so I think it's I think it's changed I think it's more become a part of the norm and I think that's because most people that you meet these days everybody has a side gig everybody has 
some sort of, you know, enough additional stream of income coming in, whether that's you, you have to have, you know, you drive an Uber now. Absolutely. But so the average person, the average Joe or, you know, who, you know, just worked a nine to five and got a W2, they didn't understand that 25, 30 years ago. Now they do. They do understand that you have to have more than one stream of revenue coming in to support you because unfortunately, you know, people can't live on one salary anymore. People can't even live on two salaries and people want a side income that they can they can bring in so i do think that it's changing and i do think that people also want to buy from people who they know like and trust like the day and age of seeing celebrities advertise for a product everybody sees through that like everybody realizes that they don't use that product they're just getting paid you know like and that's the truth 30 40 years ago people bought it and they were like oh yeah wow he uses old spice deodorant okay yeah uh, i'll buy that nowadays everybody can see they can smell right lebron you know they know has the uh endorsement with kia and they like did the whole marketing campaign with him and you've never really seen him come out of a kia you know in his personal life right so you know does he even have that and you never will Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing with the Matthew McConaughey commercials with the Lincoln town car. He he doesn't drive a Lincoln. And I think I heard um, a girlfriend of mine told me that uh, he did an interview on Howard Stern a few weeks ago. And Howard asked him, like, what's up with the Lincoln commercials? Like, what, you know, what's that all about? You know, why are you doing that? And he literally admitted it's just a paycheck. (laughs) So he did. He admitted it. So I, you know, I I applaud him for admitting it. But, um, you know, I so so where do I think the where I think the whole multi-level marketing name and network marketing got bad from is because there were there are some companies that have, you know, been around in the 60s and the 50s that really did this as a way to make money for themselves rather than empower other people. And that's where the bad reputation and the bad you know name came from is if you are working with a multi-level marketing company and the only way you're going to succeed is if you continually buy things that is not the way to build a business for me i have to have customers and i have to you know have teammates in order to succeed that to me is how you build a business. You know, you build a business by having customers who order and you build it also a business by teaching other people what you know and making a commission just by simply helping them. So the stigma of, you know, how it got so bad is that, yeah, there've been a few bad eggs who have, you like know, any other done things the wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like any other industry, you know, you see it all the time. There are a few, you know, bad and, you know, eggs, who give a certain you know industry a bad appeal, but you just gotta weed out the ones that are good and the ones that aren't. And that's when your research comes in. That's when your research comes in. You know, you look up, you talk to people. Like, are you happy being affiliated with this? You know, are you happy? How do you feel? Um, and that's where. So if you meet people who are happy, then it's a good thing. If you meet people who aren't, then yeah, run like hell. Um, we might have to have you back on. Uh for a later episode because we're actually going to start a series on 
uh, the different network marketing companies and kind of evaluating them and like reviewing them as companies. I would love to be a part of that and be able to help people, um, you know, make a decision because I do believe that network marketing is an incredible solution to bringing in extra money without having to trade time for money. Because as much as I, um, you know, we were talking before, everybody has to have a supplemental mm -hmm. stream of income. But some people don't realize that when you start a network marketing company, you can work, you know, from home while your kids are running around and screaming and yelling at you. Where, you know, if you wanted to drive an Uber or if you wanted to get in a Lyft, you still have to trade yeah. time for money. You have to get in the car in order to make money. Where with network marketing, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just be sitting on the couch watching Mad Men <laughs> and making money by working your business. So I would love to help with that and love to provide some insight because I definitely have some knowledge, you know, being in the business for a long time. And you definitely have some knowledge too. And I think we could be of value to a lot of people out there who are considering it, help demystify it. You know? Absolutely. Because I I. I just don't understand how that stigma has stayed with network marketing companies when I've seen, I I've never found high levels of success with the network marketing, but I've never put the work in that I've seen other people do. Right. You know, I've kind of looked at mm -hmm. them and said, uh, you know, I, there were other opportunities at the time, but I've seen people become very successful from network marketing companies. And I, to me, it's just like any other opportunity, like, maybe that particular opportunity wasn't right for you, but that you can't just say the whole industry is bad. And this whole thing about uh pyramid schemes, I'm like, really, if you look at it, the corporate structure could be considered a pyramid scheme. So like, what are we talking about? It, it... Well, it is a pyramid scheme because you've got the CEO at the top. And if you're at the bottom, there's no way you're going to bump out 100%, 1,000% more than you like, no. Yeah, there's no way we're in network marketing. It's actually a pyramid turned upside down. The only place you can go is up. That's it. The only way you can go is up. You know, you'll, you'll never stay at the bottom. And I think the other problem with, you know, people's stigma of network marketing is some people make it sound like it's so easy. Oh, yeah. It's so and easy. It's, not. it's work. And it's not. It's work. It's work. It's, it, you have to put work in, you know, and that's the one thing I always tell people who, you know, start with me. I say, hey, listen, this isn't going to be easy, but I promise you it'll be worth it if you if you put the work, the work in. in. Absolutely. That's the God's honest like truth. Like any other endeavor. Like you can't get exactly. away from the hard work no matter what. So. Right. No, we'll definitely exactly. have to have you back on. Um, to discuss that. I wanted to present you with this one last question because you've been a great guest for us. Very insightful. Uh, we really appreciate having you on today. Um, oh, thank you. So my last question is, do you have a question that you would like to ask me? I actually do have a question I okay, would like to great. ask you. What inspired you to start this incredible podcast? Um, and I got another question and have you, okay, okay. I got a lot, no, sorry. <laughs> have you always, I'm like, so what inspired you to want to start this? Um, and have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur yourself? I mean, 
you know, do you have like some of your own yeah. businesses? I mean, I don't know if all of your audience knows about this, but I thought I would ask some of it so they could hear okay. it as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So what inspired me for this particular um, podcast is that I'm writing a book actually on my entrepreneurial experiences and just my background, oh, cool. you know, it's like um, the way the structure of the book, actually, this is my first time revealing it on the podcast is it's part biography, like, I guess, memoir, if you will. Uh, one part um, short story that I'm going to have. I'm going to actually develop some characters um, that are going through different stages of the entrepreneurial experience. Um, and then the third part is, you know, just, you know, advice driven. And, um, and I... I haven't decided yet if I'm going to incorporate um, like interviews into the book. Um, I may leave that for, because mm -hmm. I plan on releasing three books. So a trilogy. Oh, um, cool. And so I actually hope to have the book done um, by September, October at the latest, maybe even before then. So um, that's my oh, cool. like goal for 2019 is to finish that in like Q3, um, f finish that up pretty strong. Um, maybe the first part of Q4, I guess. But, um, and so I'm using the podcast kind of as a filtration system to see what sh should the content kind of look like? What are people curious mm -hmm. about? What, how could I be a value to them? So like what experiences should I include? Which one should I leave out, you know, and keep it yeah. that way. And so I've actually, um, I, I feel like, I want to say I've always felt like an entrepreneur, but I like really struggle with like negative self-talk. Right. So yeah. like actually taking that plunge and starting it and, um, you know, it's kind of never, I, I didn't really decide to take the plunge. Like this is for me, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. What happened was I uh, was going to a place you probably know, Harper college. Right. William Rainey mm -hmm. and I had some success there like um, you know I was on different clubs and pretty active student had a decent GPA I think I had a 3.3 or something like that and it just hit me like this was not for me like I do not yeah I was just in class one day and I'm just like I cannot do this anymore like I just cannot go another mm -hmm. day living what I really felt like a lie and right this, this sounds weird but it was almost like when I kind of was like with my family like I really identify more as an entrepreneur I'm not really quote unquote like I don't want to go into the corporate world and be like that kind of businessman I want to be you know build businesses and work for myself yeah you know uh not to degrade other communities but I kind of liken it to almost coming out of the closet for like a member of the LGBT community, how your family kind of yeah. responds to that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's very tough, especially if you've been taught yeah. a certain way and everybody else around yeah. you. I mean, it's very tough. And there's you know? no entrepreneurs in my family at all. There's people yeah. who have had success in business. There's none in mine. Uh, maybe some, you know, my mother is a lawyer and, you know, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm the first person in my family not to go to college so not to finish college wow. rather right so that's mm -hmm. kind of like you know 
the thing. And then, so I, I started my company, Duality Unlimited, which is um, kind of going through a rebranding process right now at the moment, which I'm going to kind of talk about what led to all that, like the highs and the lows of building this business through all its different phases. I've had a multitude of different business partners. Um, and so now um kind of in that phase where I'm more reflective I'm looking at like okay what's next for me um so yes the business I'm restructuring in a way that I can just kind of be less reliant on people and still hit the goals so we started off in advertising I was going to make commercials for small businesses and I really kind of that's when I really kind of found out that um small businesses really aren't always into advertising. They don't respect it. They don't understand it. So there needs to be an education behind it in order for that to work. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I, I, and this is kind of my distinction is between a small business person and entrepreneur is someone who has the vision, you know, if they're going to grow it and different levels of it. um, And the, diff- the different levels of commerce, as I call it. So that that was very interesting because there are a lot of people who are, you know, they're fine. They kind of treat their job, they kind of treat their business like a job, like a nine to five. Like, I'm going to go in, stay at work for these hours. We're going to make enough money to keep going month to month. I can pay all my bills and maintain my lifestyle. And, th- I'm, and I'm okay with that. So when you're trying mm-hmm. to present like uh, an innovative solution in, in the form of advertising and market it to people who are like, I'm not, I don't need it. I, you know, yeah. that was very interesting. Um, I also, the company also had a music division that was going for a while. So working with artists is always very interesting, as you know, right? Totally. <laughs> the yes. best. Yes. So that just very, um, trying to think of some of the other kind of, we, we had like six main divisions. Um, so we did some, I've done some cryptocurrency investing. Um, you know, I, I like to look for business, you know, just my own evaluation process, looking at how to get, how to infiltrate industries and make the most out of different deals. So yeah, that's kind of, I know that was a little bit of a long answer, but hopefully I answered that question for you. No, I love it. You did a great job answering that question. And I am actually looking forward to your book and I would love to purchase it when it comes out. Cause I'm sure you'll have some really insightful information well, as a guest of the show. You know, you're just going to get a copy. So. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will definitely have to have you back on Jen. Um, anything, any final message for the podcast no i can't think of anything okay well i know the kids are coming back today so coming home oh no it's summer right what what am i talking about it's summer but they are still coming back because they go to camp they go to camp okay yes yeah (laughs) that four o'clock yeah okay well i'll let you get to it um it was really great to have you on the show and we you'll definitely have to come back for the uh, network marketing series as well as yes. the uh, you know so we can talk about the other podcast project you might work on right oh I would love that well thank you so much again for having me such a pleasure and 
I look forward to chatting with you again. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. You too. Hey, this is Jen LaForte Hoos, and here's my story I'm sharing on the TREP Life podcast. Let's stay connected. Follow me on social media. I am at Jen LaHoos on Instagram and Jen LaForte Hoos on Facebook, and I'm also Jen LaForte Hoos on LinkedIn. I hope my experiences inspire you and always remember dreams over doubt. Please stay updated by checking out new episodes of the most eclectic podcast in the world on Wednesdays and Sundays.